This is an ABC podcast. For copyright reasons, the music has been edited. 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 To hear the full tracks, listen to The J Files, Thursday nights on Double J. Or head to doublej.net.au and click on the track list at the bottom of each episode. Kaz Tran here. Welcome to The J Files, the podcast for people who love music. Each episode is like a quick music history lesson. We pick a different artist or band, we look at some of the most important moments in their career, and we celebrate their impact on music, all in less than 30 minutes. On this episode, it's the queen of hip-hop soul, Mary J. Blige. Mary J. rose out of New York in the early 90s alongside artists like Puff Daddy, Lil' Kim, Jay-Z and the notorious B.I.G. But what made Mary J. unique was her rawness and vulnerability. She was unafraid to be real and sing about the hardships in her life. It was a refreshingly honest approach that spoke to millions of fans around the world. For this episode of The J Files, I'm excited to speak to DJ, broadcaster and music journalist Ms Hennessy, aka Maxine Johns, who's spoken to some of the biggest names in hip-hop, soul and R&B, both local and international. Ms Hennessy also happens to be a Mary J Blige superfan and takes us back now to the rather challenging, formative years of the Undisputed Queen. I'm always struck by her humble beginnings, which, of course, most of, you know, the, the, the hip-hop artists, they, their beginnings were very humble. Um, you know, she was, you know, born born in the, you know, the uh, the Bronx in 1971, Bronx, New York, and raised by a single mother. Um, and then, of course, you know, she shifted her time between Savannah, Georgia, and, uh, you know, the Bronx. And then she also spent some time up in, um, you know, Yonkers in New York. And if, if anybody really knows a lot of the about the boroughs in New York, especially boroughs like the Bronx and, and, you know, areas like Yonkers, um, they are incredibly, incredibly dismal, you know, sort of areas, um, a lot of sort of adverse poverty and, 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 and that sort of thing. So she had to battle with a lot of that. And then, you know, also having to deal with um, watching her, her single mother struggle to raise her. I believe her mom was also in really abusive relationships. And then, of course, that is then the trickle-on effect. Mary, obviously, then having to fend off off, you know, um, uh, you know, physical, um, verbal abuse as well within her, within her youth. Um, you know, she, she found, uh, her voice. So as to say, uh, when she was sort of singing at, at, at church in the Pentecostal choir, and then of course, you know, dropped out of high school and, uh, started doing the rounds as a, as a, um, backup singer and, uh, heading down to New York, which was of course the mecca of, of hip hop and, 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 uh, you know, hip hop songs back then um, she, sort of traversing through those 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 doors as a backup singer and then eventually catching the the eye of of course uh, you know bad boy records and, and and puff daddy but the 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 journey was not easy and and it, it could have it, it could have gone so differently for her I, I believe had she not probably had that resilience and that tenacity that has kept her as the queen of, of, of hip-hop soul today. So, yeah, pretty mm. bleak beginnings. Yeah, and, and I think um, 
from what I understand, her her stepping into, um, you know, be, her artistry, her music and, mm. and singing, um, it was through backup singing for yeah. somebody. It wasn't like, I'm ready to be a star and no. give me a record contract or anything like that. That's tell, right. Yeah, That's tell me about right. that. It's not an unusual story for a lot of the, you know, female singers back then to have gotten discovered. There's a couple of other, you know, really, really big names within this particular industry and the genre that we're talking about who were discovered as backup singers. But I think with with Mary, uh, I just I also believe it was timing as well. I mean, as with everything in this in this entertainment world, it's all about timing and who you know and and of course with her with her undeniable hustle and not wanting to be bogged down at the time with I don't need school. Because really, at the end of the day, I have a bigger dream, and uh, of course, not then having that sort of family constraint of, well, no, you've got to go and get an education. She was like, music is my education, so I'm going to just do what I can within the backup singing world. Um, she also got to um, uh, work with an incredible voice and uh, also do a little bit of backup singing with an amazing singer um, by the name of um, Anita Baker. And, uh, you know, just sort of lending her voice to those sorts of artists and then kicking open the door to um, being discovered by, you know, Puff Daddy, um, the rest then is is history. But it, it wasn't just, oh, I'm in the studio now and I've got a, good, a great voice and I get discovered. It was, it was a lot of you know, sort of ugliness behind that because, again, backup singers – it's like, thanks for your voice, see you later. And not much credit is given to them. So um, she really had to kind of push through some, some, some challenging times. But I think, again, timing and landing in the right place at the right time for her. And she was 19. So, yeah. Mary J. Blige's 1992 debut album, What's the 411? reinvigorated hip-hop and R&B and set the template for much of the 90s R&B music that followed. It went top 10 on the US Billboard charts, which was a massive achievement for an artist barely out of her teens and with so much struggle behind her. I asked Miss Hennessy to explain what was so groundbreaking about this album. Oh, that album always draws me. Um, I think it's just, it's the searing honesty of her of her voice it's the lyrics even the song titles you know you remind me real love um you know just oh sweet thing like just just songs that i think too because i'm a i'm a i'm a you know uh not so much a product of the 90s, but I was a teenager in the 90s too. So Mary's only a few years older than I am. But um, listening to that and, of course, the music production, you know, you you just can't – they don't make albums like that anymore. And I'm sure a lot of people say that and the young ones are like, oh, of course you say that. But there's just something transcendent about th- that era when, you know, music production was just – it was just on point. I don't know how else to describe it, but it, it, it took you places. And that album, even the title of it, What's the 411? I mean, if people understand, you know, um, abonically speaking, you know, what's the 411? What's the information? You know, what's going on? And and she's asking people, well, what's happening? You know, what's what's going on in the world? This is what's happening in my world. So this is my 411. Um, and I just, again, it was just, it was like a a, a love letter to a self, I, I think, is, is how I look at that debut album. It was the beginning of, she didn't know what laid ahead. None of them really do, but I think you're promised a record deal. And, and at the time, record deals were all that artists really wanted. Um, 
and big shiny record deal and a big shiny producer like, you know, Puff Daddy and all of this amazing things that follow. But um, she stayed rooted in her truth and I think that's what I love about that album. And I think that's why that album is and will always remain a classic. title I mean if, if you if you're not across like the different sort of genres that sort of lie within or under the hip-hop umbrella right people just think well hip-hop's hip-hop well no it's got other subgenres as well you've got your neo soul and then you've got your your jazz hip-hop and and all of this sort of stuff but hip-hop soul I mean it was the merging of her love of soul music obviously you know born from you know listening to her mum's soul records when she was growing up and obviously that pain you know the soul when you listen to soul music you, you just you cry and sometimes you go why am I crying like it just it, it sort of hits your soul mm. so she had that ability to be able to use her voice use the soul in her voice but marry it so well with the hip-hop beats that bad boy records at the time were just synonymous for doing you know and it was it was just a perfect pairing again it was timing early 90s you know we were there was a lot of artists around but it was very much you know sort of that real kind of sort of grimy, guttural hip-hop, you know, you either had your gangster rap from, you know, the West Coast or then, you know, the New York side of things was, you know, it was it was that real kind of street element, right? Mm. You didn't really have a woman sitting very, very confidently within the sound of that hip-hop, that, that New York hip-hop sound with this soulful element that I just think transcended above hip-hop fans. So she was able to garner the fans of, you know, very comfortably within the soul world and, of course, the R&B world. And it's just, it's just Mary. It was Mary's delivery. It was the way, again, her pain and her, her honesty and her delivery. Um, she's straight up no chaser. I don't know what else to say. Like, yeah. <laughs> She didn't deal very well with the fame, though, and the no. attention that came her way following the, the huge breakout success of uh, What's mm. a 411, did she? No, no, she didn't. And I think, it, again, that speaks to her to her, her upbringing. I think, you know, a lot of the time too, and I, and in my, in my career, I've, I've been a, a, um, a hip hop music journalist for, you know, over two decades now. And I've, I've been blessed enough to speak to some incredible artists. Not her though. I think I'd faint, but I, I do believe that, you know, with, with, with a lot of the artists from back then, it was a real struggle with identity and with also acceptance and, you know, sort of fitting in. And I think again, because she was a female um, in this extremely male-dominated world, um, and there was a little, a lot of vulnerability. Now she's not, she's not a sort of pushover or somebody that just sort of cowers in the corner. You can't be to survive in this in this industry. But I think she was she was humble to a fault, and I think that's what probably made the incredible success of what's the 411 really daunting for her. Um, again, too, coming from an environment where I don't think she was praised a lot for what she had done I think it was just okay well you're singing that's great and then it's okay what what next you know mm. so the world just fell in love with her and um, wanted more and I think she wasn't sure of herself enough to give as much as she was expected to at the time so I think that coupled with obviously 
The other internal demons she was dealing with made that acceptance of this newfound fame really challenging for her. In 1994, two years on from her huge debut, Mary J. Blige released her follow-up album, My Life. This album was even more personal than her debut and just as successful. My Life obviously was then Mary going, right, this is where I'm at and this is this is my life now, yeah? Um, let, me, let me open up a little bit more. And I, I, I just, she does it so effortlessly with every album but I think that particular one was yeah that sort of ripped open um quite a few more personal wounds and um again I don't think that her fans were really ready to receive the amount of um sort of personal reverie that that album delivered but my God, when we heard it, you wanted more. So it's it's almost like Mary is like the Anne Frank of hip-hop with her diary. You know, she's written some such searing honesty, um, this sort of portal into her life and um, the pairing with the, with the music and the production and, again, her delivery, it just made my life like um, – it wasn't what's the 411, it was, and you know how they always say with, with artists, the, the pressure for the, the first album, what's the next one going to be like, you know, and I just think Mary has a step up each time she releases something. Mm. Uh, again, it, it had, it, it hit women differently. It also hit men. And I think back then too, I mean, I know sort of, you know, sort of dating and sort of, you know, work, working through your, your feelings and all that kind of stuff, but also... You know, dealing with you know life at at the time too. She she just provided the soundtrack for a lot of early romances, which I, I'm sure went on to marriage from some of her music. You know, because yeah, sure. we we grew up with it and uh, we became women with that. And men also got a bit of a look into, hey, this is how the women kind of feel. You know, if you you listen to any of it, and I mean, look, my husband's a huge Mary J fan, and even he's got some of her her music. It really made him think, mm. wow. <laughs> women go through quite a bit you know so yeah I just think what I think my life in, in really encapsulated her life at the time and then it exposed the other things she was going through you know and mm. her own abusive relationship and yeah again just that sort of love letter that was a continuation As has been the case for long stretches of her career, Mary J. Blige was battling a whole host of inner demons, which were countered by a constant flow of awards and accolades. If fans were floored by the honesty, authenticity and vulnerability of 1994's My Life, Mary Jane upped the ante with her third record, Share My World. It had contributors like Nas, George Benson and the amazing Lil' Kim. And as Ms. Hennessy explains, it was a change in tone for Mary J. Blige. 
you know, just what she's garnered in her life, you know, the nine Grammys, the 12 Billboard Music Awards, the four American Music Awards. It's There's so many numbers. You know, she's worth you know, roughly 20 million and you go number one album and this many million sold. And I, I, I do know with Share My World, though, um, they, they seem to be a bit of a grittier edge with Mary. Uh, I, and this is just me as, a, as an absolute purist fan. Um, she... She loves love and she was always searching for love. And I think Share My World, because that was obviously post-first relationship and then, you know, she obviously then was sort of dating and I think eventually met her, her the, you know, the, the husband that would be, but which is now the ex-husband. Um, always searching for love. It's like she's the, the, the uh, eternal optimist when it comes to love, yet she had so much heartbreak in her life. And I think Share My World was that was it was a there was a transition point between, you know, from what's what's the four one one, my life. Um, yeah, she just she came out a little bit bolder, if you can say that about Mary. She's always been kind of bold. <laughs> yes. But it she came out a little bolder, like, you know what, I'm I'm this is me. Yeah. This is it now. This is this is who I'm at. this is who I am. Um and uh you guys want me. And, uh, yeah, so share my world. <laughs> and she was like, you know, I, I one of the, 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 the single that just stands out for me, um, you know, um, I Can Love You, right, with mm. Little Kim that she does on that album. Again, the music production always gets me. Being a DJ, I'm always after the music with the beats, you know, mm. the ones I could play on radio that could really. And then also that kind of emotive stuff, you know, and you sit there and you listen to the that track, I Can Love You Better Than she can and you go wow so you're you're battling for love here you're mm. fighting for your man's attention and 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 you're telling him you can love him better than she can and of course little kim lending her sort of you know grit to that it just it was just an, another notch up for mary and it was just like yeah this is me and and i'm here to stay so yeah, yeah. and uh, i think that would have been fueled somewhat by the talk of can she do it without puff behind her because that was the first album without him Behind yeah. It, yeah, a thousand percent. And again, it's that whole. It's just, and it, it, you know, and I know. Obviously, this is not just a hip hop conversation. It's a, it's a, it's a global conversation about, you know, where 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 women fit in 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 the world, and and why it's a, you know, it's so male dominated, and why women have to work so much harder to make themselves noticed, and in in anything across any any work, um, you know, sort of environment. But that. Was, was real pivotal because, you know, a lot of people were like, Puff made her, mm. okay? Well, yeah, he, he he created the machine for her, but he didn't give her that voice, you know? He didn't give her those experiences. But make the confidence to sing, probably, yeah, he did. But again, it's um, Mary made herself and she just was able to kind of, you know, utilise those vehicles. But that album... Is uh, was her was her own breakthrough to continue on her, her path without being, um, what's the word, sort of micromanaged. Yes. Mary J. Blige continued to take strides throughout the late 90s and into the 2000s. In 2001, she released her huge fifth album, No More Drama, which included her biggest hit, Family Affair, produced by Dr. Dre. The 
mid-2000s brought the Queen another massive haul of awards and record-breaking sales for her seventh studio album, The Breakthrough. Ms Hennessy says this album represented an emotional, personal breakthrough for Mary J, as well as mirroring what was happening in her fans' lives too. She's just, I can't even with the breakthrough. The breakthrough was, I loved that album. That was like the gift that kept on giving for me. And I guess because too, uh, you know, my, I look at, at, at where I was at, at the time, like, you know, uh, um, really sort of flourishing as a, as a, you know, hip hop DJ here in, in, in Sydney. And, you know, I had a residency at like a really, really cool club and I was just, you know, it was, things were good. Like it was, that was like my little breakthrough. Um, and then here, you know, Mary comes with this album with these little gifts and, uh, well, she just does, she just knows how to kind of give you gifts through music. And, uh, but again, like, because she was married at the time. I think she'd married Kendu Isaacs with that album. I think, mm. or she was, I think they had, they they were married. And, um, you know, so again, you could feel that she was on a different love path. Um, and she'd had this man who was, you know, her, her producer. Um, and uh, she felt she could trust him. And, and so the music was... She was grown and sexy, Mary, if we can say that, mm-hmm. with the breakthrough, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Mary's always grown and sexy. She's always got this, I'm a bit, I'm a grown woman, like you're not going to tell me nothing. Um, but that album, <laughs> she's, uh, yeah, she just kind of came through with that real grown and sexy vibe. And I was like, I'm loving it. I mean, the, my, oh my, the, there's so many tracks on that. If you ask me about that album, I, I, I could give you the whole playlist. But I would say the one that stood out for me the most from the breakthrough mm. was Enough Crying. Enough that's track two. Not only was the, the the beat of that song just unbelievable, it was that real guttural sort of, it was like a heartbeat, mm. right? But again, enough crying. Like she's done crying. She's done, this is a no drama point two, mm. right? She's done with everything and, um, yeah, she's not, she's not, she's done crying. And I think for women, again, if you, if you grew up with Mary and if you kind of journeyed with her, it's like she knew you were going through stuff. Yes, yeah, like, Is that weird? Like it's just weird. And I just like that song, I would play it on repeat and I would play it in the club and I would play it on radio and yeah. So enough crying for me. And then of course, Be Without You, that was like the I will always love you type of vibe on that, you know, mm. on that album. Um, wow. And that was about her, her then husband. Um And look what happened there. Yeah. You know, and Mm. she gave her all. Like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It breaks the heart, but it also shows that she's real and she's she's a soldier in love. Across her decorated career, Mary J. Blige has shown remarkable instincts and versatility as a collaborator. Whether it's working with emerging talent or mixing with her idols, she's a major drawcard when it comes to working with some of the biggest and most important names in music. From the likes of Dr. Dre, Lil Kim and Nas, to more recent years working with Lil Wayne, Drake and DJ Khaled. But as Miss Hennessy explains, there's one particular collaborator that Mary J shares a really special connection with. 
I mean, look, people have argued that is Jay-Z the king of hip-hop? Of course, that's an argument, again, in a conversation for a whole other show. But they're at the top of their game. So they're, of course, going to respect and, 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 you know, love each other. He appears on a single of hers that, again, is one of my favourites off that Breakthrough album. And it was one that doesn't – it doesn't even – it's not it's not one that rates, but to me it speaks volumes. And it's called um, Can't Hide Love. And Jay-Z's just lending like an ooh and an ah to it. It just made it for me. Like it's Jay-Z. And it's Mary J. Like, hello, the marriage of these two incredible people. Yes. I know what drugs is that. It's just beautiful music, ladies and gentlemen. That's that knock. Turn the music up loud. He's such a huge, he's such a huge artist and he's so important to hip hop. And I think Mary, at the time that the two of them came out again, they were, they were all putting the feelers out. They were all trying to figure out where they landed. And so again, there was that support sort of that net, but she obviously provided the vocals to his um, track, uh, Can't Knock the Hustle on his um, incredible, um, I think it was 1996, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the A Reasonable Doubt, his album. I'm one of the best niggas that done it, six digits and running, y'all niggas don't want it. I got the Godfather flow, the Don Juan, the Marco, swear to God, don't get it fucked up. That that album went down to you know be one of his 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 greatest albums, yes. and she lent the vocals to that. And when you listen to that, it's almost like they're talking prophetically to each other about what their futures are going to be. Mm. You know. And I love that. I love her vocals on that and I love that album. I love the honesty that it portrays at a time when these artists had no idea how impactful they were going to be in yeah. the music world. And then, of course, he, again, lending you know his support to her whenever they've been on tour and he's and that, that song comes on on his sort of, you know, his tour list, shouting her out. So, yeah, I love their relationship. I'm sure there's more to it, but they're kind of elusive there. They don't really talk too much, but it's just love yeah. and respect. I wanna get real close to you. I wanna get you in the mood. All the things you want to do. Just relax and I'll take care of you. Beyond the awards, the accolades and sales figures, when it comes to her greatest legacy, Mary J. Blige has shown devoted fans time and again that she's someone who will get back up no matter what turmoil or pain has struck her down. You know when Mary's on a track, there's an element in her voice that um, can sort of uh, carry emotion very well. And I think, again, it might be that sort of her, her early days with, you know, her, her love of, you know, listening to soul music and then obviously the church element. Um, but it's that it's that heartbreak, it's that pain that she's able to carry through her music. Again, the whole sonic thing, it, it, how she delivers it, and um, she has a, a great knack of of being able to, to to speak directly to you. 
through her music. Um, like I said to your pain, it's like she knows. It's like someone sent her an email. She she sings straight to the soul. But I think her legacy, Kaz, you know, it's it's just to be to straighten your own crown, to walk your path, um, no matter what the odds are, and you're gonna fall down and things are gonna get messy. It's life. But don't shy from it. You know, a lot of things happen in the world and, 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 and to people that is really painful to talk about. And they say music heals. And I truly believe that if you're a Mary J fan and you've gone through heartbreak and you've gone through loss and you've gone through those things that, you know, just batter your heart. I think um, she, again, she's just an elixir. She's an elixir to the soul. And if you listen to her music with an open mind and, and go in there just to just to sort of get lost a little bit, I think you come out on the other end understanding yourself a bit better and maybe the experience. So I think her legacy is just in being honest about your pain. Um, you celebrate your wins, but you also you also don't you don't hide the flaws mm. because then it's an imbalance, right? And I, I think, you know, social media has really played a huge part in in people only celebrating the wins and posting about, you know, like the hella likes that you get and, you know, people looking at you and, oh, my God, she's got this, she's got that. And, well, yeah, but what did you take to get that? <laughs> Talk about the journey, yeah? yeah? And I think Mary's about let's just embrace the journey because, yeah, we know what the shiny things are, but it's that it's that sort of guttural stuff that it, that's where the truth lies. So that's her legacy to me. From her many awards and accolades, her film and TV work, running her own label and production company, Performing at the Super Bowl twice and touring and releasing music, it's easy to see why Mary J. Blige's royal moniker as the queen of hip-hop soul has endured. The J Files is a Double J podcast. Make sure you like, follow and share. Our producer is Gab Burke. Theme music is by Art vs. Science. You can check out Double J anytime on the Triple J app or at doublej.net.au. I'm Kaz Tran. Thanks for listening.